Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I want to spend some time talking about the ever-changing pressures on our high school athletic directors. When it comes to sports parents who track and follow their kids during the high school years, those critical years, there's no question that one of the key people during during that time is the athletic director. He or she's at at the epicenter when it comes to high school athletes, and that includes an array of issues, everything from concerns about coaches to looking ahead to perhaps playing in college to whether a youngster should specialize in a sport and on and on it goes. And to that end, I've asked the the highly respected Vito Kiravallati, the athletic director at Christian Brothers Academy in Lincroft, New Jersey, to come back on the show this morning to talk about the pressing issues that he, like so many ADs, face on a daily basis. And, 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 Vito, it's good to talk to you again. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate being on the show. And, and friends, let me just give you a quick background on, uh, on Coach uh, Vito. Uh, he's the athletic director and the head swimming coach at, at CBA, where his, his swim team just finished off the season by winning their 10th New Jersey State Championship in the last 11 years. And you should know that uh, Vito was a top swimmer himself in high school and was also an elite baseball player, breaking all sorts of records as a slugger at the University of Richmond before playing pro ball in the Toronto Blue Jays organization. And in addition to his work at CBA, Coach Vito is a presenter and writer on issues facing sports parents, athletes, and coaches today. You can find more about him at CoachVito.net. And, you know, I mentioned that, uh, Vito, you were a top baseball player and an all-state swimmer in New Jersey but again, you didn't specialize in just one sport, correct? That's that's true. I mean, if I had my choice, Rick, I would have picked baseball. And uh, I know all my swimming friends are laughing right now. Um, but the, the, quite, the, the guys on the street is my mom wouldn't let me. Um, she, uh, she was insistent that I continue with swimming. Um, you know, I happen to be a good swimmer. Um, and I loved competing in swimming. It wasn't about the sport. It was, I was so much more in love with the sport of baseball and my dream from the time I shared the same dream that you did when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And so, um, you know, I, I do think often if it was today with, you know, sports specialization and how big it's become, would my mother have been swayed differently, you know, seeing how everybody else was doing just maybe one sport. Um, but I'm really, uh, you know, I think my mother, my mom often for, for uh, making me stick with swimming because it's been such a benefit in so many areas of my life, uh, way, way beyond sports. 
Well, let's talk about this. Now, first of all, just to give our listeners a bit of a time frame, when were you, when were you in high school or, or junior high? So let's get a sense of when this was all happening with your mom yeah. saying, you know, no, I want you to keep, keep with the swimming. Yeah, so I played all sports. I, I grew up, I was a uh, you know, product of the late 80s, 80s and early 90s. I graduated from Christian Brothers in 1999 uh, and, and went to the University of Richmond after that. And right. so, you know, I growing up, you know, like everybody else, five, six years old, I started getting into sports. Soccer and swimming were my first two. And then I was really terrified to play baseball because I was scared of the ball. And, and I, I, I remember very, very well, I was seven years old and a ball was hit to me out in the outfield. I was barely paying attention and I caught it. And from that moment, I fell in love with baseball um, and, uh, and just wanted to pursue it and became a Mets fan. The, the 86 team was like my favorite team of all time and all those guys. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and, and that was my start in the sports journey. And so I played basketball. I played all of the sports. In middle school, I played baseball, basketball, and I swam. Those were the three I started to really focus on. Yep. I had the dream of going to Duke and playing basketball and baseball at Duke uh, <laughs> until I realized that uh, uh, I was actually, you know, Six two and couldn't dribble, so I was like, "Well, my basketball career is probably not going anywhere." <laughs> um, and so when I got to high school, I really my goal at CBA was to try out for the basketball team and play baseball. Well, my mom was like, "Are you crazy? You're going to swim at CBA. You're not playing basketball." And uh, and so uh, I, that that's where I was like, "Oh, I guess I'm swimming." And and I continued to swim throughout high school. I had a had a great career under Coach Mike Sullivan here at CBA. Won a state championship, wound up winning two individual titles, which I never would have really dreamed of, and became national champion my senior year um, in the hundred backstroke. And and you know those are those are the things that I'm able to share with athletes today, is that I didn't have to choose, and I was blessed to not have to choose, and, and still continue my baseball career in college. Um, and so things I, I don't know how it would be today. I feel bad for parents. I think this is one of the biggest issues that athletic directors deal with, um, and coaches is that, you know, in the late 90s, you, you didn't have many travel teams. So there weren't the opportunities to compete all year in one sport. Uh, in fact, swimming would have been the opportunity. That, that at that time was a sport that was more of an all-year-round sport, mm -hmm. even in the late 90s. But baseball certainly was not. And so, um, and so there was less pressure. And I think today what I feel really bad about for parents is today – they do feel that pressure. Even as, I mean, I was talking with somebody yesterday about a five and six year old who was talking about, Oh, I really need to go all in on this sport if I want to make the team. And I'm like, how are we cutting kids at six years old for baseball or basketball? I mean, it's, it's really, it's a shame because I do feel like families, it's not an easy answer um, because they feel like they're falling behind if they're not training all off season in that skill whatever it might be, pitching or hitting. And so I'm constantly having these conversations with families. Well, let me, let me just stop you right there, Vito. We're talking with the, with the athletic director at Christian Brothers Academy down in Lincroft, New Jersey, Vito uh, uh, and, and And Vito, I think you just hit on this, that I think parents today, once they realize that there's so much pressure uh, for their kids to excel and to accelerate uh, their, their talents and their mastery of skills, yeah, they're, they're, they sort of say, well, if my kid doesn't specialize in this one sport at age six, seven, eight, then they're going to fall behind all their, all their peers. And that's just not the way it works. I mean, at, parents fall into this sort of psychological paranoia, and it, it's not the way it works. Right. And, and to be fair, 
in the short term, you might see a boost in your skill development. Obviously, if you're playing baseball or shooting basketballs all day long for 12 months, you should get better at that. But what you don't see is the risks of that. And the long-term risks, we see a lot of burnout clearly today, more today than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, you also see, and, and this is the other part, you also see a lot of um, – a lot of student athletes who who are so used to playing so often that their passion is is not necessarily there. Um, you know, the the showcase society that we're living in today is something that athletic directors are dealing with as well because the athletes are so used to showcasing their abilities and the wins and the losses aren't as important in that culture. And it's just like, well, tomorrow will be another day. Well, you know, you do want some healthy sense of urgency during the high school season, right? Yeah, and of course. There, yeah, and so we've lost a little bit of that as well. And so when you're seven or eight, yeah, of course, if you you practice one thing for, for um, you know, the entire year and focus on that, could you see those short-term benefits? You can. But what I would tell you is over the long term, what we're seeing hasn't changed. The best athletes can make adjustments no matter the sport mm-hmm. and and they are going to be the ones who are able to rise to the top what we have today is a lot of moderate to good athletes there are better athletes today for sure than there were when i played and i would say even 10 years before that we were better than they were in the 80s but so because that pool has grown there's this sense of, wow, I really, really need to hone my skills because if I don't, I will fall behind. So if I'm a baseball player and I'm not, you know, playing fall ball and I'm not, you know, hitting or doing something two, three times a week, December, January, by the time tryouts come around in March, you know, my peers might be ahead of me. And I think for a high school athlete, that's, that's okay. I think when it's younger than that, that's where we have to question, is this best for the long-term development of the athlete, of the kid? Yeah, uh, Vito, let me, let me stop you there because I, I do agree with you. I think that, uh, and we got to take a break anyhow, but the point is that at the high school level, the kids tend to have their own sort of uh, emotional maturity, their psychological ability to cope with the fact that, well, okay, if I want to get better and compete, I got to work harder. But at the younger ages, kids just aren't prepared for that. And as you said, I, I think it's just, uh, it just makes you scratch your head. It's like, what are we doing to the next generation of athletes? All right. We're talking with Coach Vito from CBA. We're talking about the pressures that he sees when it comes to being an athletic director these days. And obviously, I have a lot of other topics I want to discuss with him about parental intervention and expectations of kids and so on and so forth. Let's, let's take a timeout. Uh, we have a sports update. When I return, we'll talk more. With Coach Vito. We're talking this morning about the pressures that athletic directors at the high school level face. I will tell you, uh, it's been my my experience, my opinion for years, that you can't find a more demanding job than being an AD these days. It's just, it's just a 24-7 proposition because so many parents, so many kids, so many coaches want a, a piece of the AD's time, either to, to vent or to gripe or complain, whatever. But before the break, Vito, we were talking about the fact that what's happening now, at least you've seen this, that kids, I guess now they're no longer just specializing in one sport. They're basically playing the, the various sports, but they play it all year round, which is a different kind of twist than it was a generation ago. So if they're, if they're a soccer player, if they're basketball, if they're ice hockey, they're playing all year round. And uh, you, you have to worry about that in terms of the kids and their uh, repetitive use injuries and burning out. What, what are you, what are you saying from your vantage point? Yeah, I, I call it, I call it multi-sport insanity. I mean, it, we're, we've actually come 180, and 
And because sports specificity became such a big topic over the last three or four years where people were like, you know, we're going to specialize, we're going to specialize. And then it was like, oh, don't specialize. That's really bad. Uh, So now parents were like, well, my kid doesn't specialize. But what they wind up doing is they then wind up playing every sport all year long. And so that's, that's just as bad, if not worse for the kid. And uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I was, I was training a a baseball team and it was their fall season. Um, And there's nothing wrong with playing fall baseball. Uh, You know, it's, it's in New Jersey. It's the best time of year, honestly, to play baseball. So they were, they were playing like maybe one game a week and they were having one practice a week. So it wasn't intense, but they were together. And I was, uh, I was doing a hitting session and, and a kid walked in, it was like 11 a.m., and he walked in, and he was exhausted. You could just see it. He's kind of dragging his bag. He was a catcher. I was like, hey, you good? Why do you look so tired? Shouldn't you be excited about baseball? He's like, well, I just came from, uh, from football practice, and now uh, after this, i got to go to basketball practice. And I, <laughs> I paused, and I go, whoa, 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 are you serious? I was like, yeah, you, you shouldn't be at baseball practice then. Um, you know, and, and we're seeing more of that where – you know, kids and parents are taking pride in, oh, my, my son or daughter doesn't play one sport. They play three sports, but but they need to be seasonal still. Uh, you want to hone your skills, you know, and, and maybe hit once a week during your off season. I understand that, but we can't be fully competing on teams all year round because that's definitely not doing any justice for a 10, 11, or 12-year-old. That is not healthy for them. We're clearly seeing a rise in these rep- repetitive use injuries. Um, there's no secret about that. And so we just need to do what's best of our kids. And sometimes what's best for our kids is a break. And um, just on that note, the NJSIAA has done something really cool over the last couple of years. And they've given the students a voice Mm -hmm. uh, by, by having these student panels and student leadership groups, similar to what they do at the NCAA level. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things that the students have talked about is we just love some time off, you know, maybe shorter seasons, maybe a little bit more time in between our seasons. I think that's a really good start, but I think unfortunately the issue there, and I know you are really a big advocate for this, but the issue there is we're addressing the wrong agency. (laughs) We're addressing (laughs) the NJSIAA, which actually has rules and has regulations, and that's great, but what the kids really need a break from is all the agencies who aren't governed at all, and that's the travel organizations um, who, who are able to just work freely and and you know and and really don't have any rules and so that's the issue the kids are saying they're screaming to us we'd like some more time we'd like time off we'd like maybe a few weeks in the summer to just be kids and the NJSIA is 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 planning on giving them that time but i don't know if that's going to solve the issue because so many of our of our best athletes are competing in in um travel organizations well that's really the essence of the issue uh, vito and and uh, you really nailed it and and the fact is that uh, yeah the kids are telling us they want time just to chill and relax and just to do kid like things uh and and of course uh you know we have the governing body of athletics in New Jersey saying the same thing. Uh, but the problem is that if kids, particularly those kids who do have ambitions to keep progressing in sports, they know that in the off season, the summertime, you know, there are showcases to go to, there are camps, there are private coaches. And, and the truth of the matter is uh, in a number of uh, towns and schools, uh, the varsity coaches often will have, you know, training sessions for their kids in the off season. And it's just difficult because the kids feel, I guess it's a sense of, of, um, of pressure that they should go and attend these camps or, or be there because if they don't, 
uh, they're going to end up losing out. And, and that's just this constant sense of, of, uh, of paranoia that pervades the kids, and obviously the parents are feeling the same way. I, I, everybody agrees that repetitive use injuries are a real concern, and a way to stop this is to have kids play you know, fewer sports uh, during the course of the year and, and give you a chance for your body to heal. But it's a real issue. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just hope and pray that enough parents and, and uh, coaches and kids finally say, you know what, in August I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to go fishing or I'm just going to go to the beach and, and that's it. I'm not going to play my sports. Right. And, and, and the bigger problem than their physical issues, which I, is, is a big problem, it is. Um, is the mental part of it and, and the mindfulness and, and the anxiety that's being created, you know, by the constant bombardment and comparison. And that's what I really am seeing, too, with many of our athletes. And I've seen a rise in that over the last five or 10 years. I don't think it's specific to athletes. Obviously, that's where I'm having most of my eye. I think that's adolescents and, and younger just in general today or youth today Sure. Um, with the stress and anxiety rising. Um, but I definitely think that that's added to our athletes because of, uh, of, of the competitive environment that they're in constantly. And, uh, and we need to take a look at that just from a mental health perspective. You know, it, it is a real concern. And obviously, uh, as I said before, you're at the epicenter of all these issues because the parents, uh, they've invested a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of their hopes and prayers for their kids from the time they were five or six years old, getting involved in organized sports, whether it's baseball, swimming, whatever the sport may be. And now at high school level, they're thinking, okay, uh, this is a time for my kid to really shine. Uh, look, CBA is, is a big-time high school. They have a great, great uh, tradition of athletic and academic uh, standards. But clearly, so parents are happy to have their sons go there. Uh, but the fact is, at some point, there may be some problems with uh, a parent. Maybe they feel the kid's not getting enough playing time, or they, the kid feels that he's being overlooked by a coach. Who knows what the issue may be? So the first thing they do is, well, I'm going to go talk to uh, to Vito because uh, he's the AD and he can help me and we can resolve this issue. Have you seen, what, what is your experience in this particular uh, aspect of being an athletic director? Well, uh, you know, I'm blessed at CBA. We have incredible families here. And, you know, we're not immune to obviously the issues that face every athletic department in any high school in the country. And mm-hmm. we have those as well. But we're blessed to have great systems in place, families that understand a common mission. And, of course, we're going to run into, you know, maybe disagreements over playing time or disagreements in what the coach is seeing. But I think the best part about that is the evaluation of our coaching staff, how seriously our athletic department and and how seriously I take that, um, and the expectations that we try to set with our coaches and and how accepting they are of those expectations on um, what are they really supposed to do here at Christian Brothers to best serve the athletes. And, um, and so that, I think, helps mitigate a lot, of, uh, a lot of the problems, not all of them, but a lot of them. You know, I, I think I mentioned on your show before that every year I talk to our coaches about uh, really the two requirements, if you will, the two biggest expectations that I have for them is, number one, to care about their athletes beyond the sport that they play. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really important to show that you care. They're not just a chess piece in your game, right, that is going to help you get a win. Of course, we want to win here. We're competitive. But every single kid that you take on your team serves a role. So if you take that kid on your team, 
obviously cuts is a product of high school sports. If we didn't have to cut, I'm sure most coaches would prefer not to, but we have to. Um, and, and because of that necessity, if we're taking kids, we want to make sure that every one of them has a role and that role is valued and that they're cared for, that you know about how they're doing in school, that you know about how their family's doing, if there's any issues, potential issues, you know, be a support system for that student athlete. And I think that's the real change in coaching over the last 20 years. Not that it, there weren't coaches that were doing it. It's just that now it really is an expectation. And I put it to them this way. And I think about this because I'm a coach and, I, and I'm trying to relate as a coach to our coaches, not as an athletic administrator. But I think about it in terms of, um, you know, if I know that student athlete and what he's going through and I can make a connection with that student athlete, you know, swimming or whatever sport I'm coaching them in could be the greatest opportunity to connect with them. They may not want to be in biology class, right? They mm-hmm, have to be mm-hmm. in biology class, but they might not want to be in that class. That teacher is really important to them. But if they're coming out for baseball or they're coming out for swimming or they're coming out for ice hockey, there's a good chance that that is where they thrive. That is where they want to be. And I think that's the greatest opportunity a coach has to change lives, not to just make them a better player. And so if we focus on caring about the kid, number one, I think we are going to get ahead of a lot of these issues. And caring about the kid doesn't mean that everybody gets to play. It just means that we're communicating with them. We're helping them understand their role. We're working through their disagreements with maybe our decisions, but we're with them 100% of the way. And we don't have to agree with everything they say or everything the parent might expect. And then the second part is we have to develop every kid in the sport. There is an expectation that they're going to get better. They're going to improve. They're going to, their skills are going to improve. And so it's not just about caring for them. It's also about developing them. So no matter who you take and how many kids you take on your team, those kids need to be developed. And that is the real challenge for coaches today is that although it's only two things that I I talk about when it comes to expectations, those are really high expectations to me. Let me and, uh, um, let me stop you there because I have to take another pause here. Uh, I think you're making. Uh, I'm listening to you, and I'm, I'm, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying, Vito. Because getting coaches, you look back on the legacy of great coaches over the years, starting with John Wooden. The one thing that's a common theme is they all care about their players as not just as athletes, but as human beings. And, and I think that's the one major takeaway that we want parents and obviously coaches to, uh, to, to get from this. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. We're talking with uh, Vito Kirivalade, the, uh, the athletic director at Christian Brothers Academy over in Jersey. Uh, time for an update. When I return, we'll talk more with Vito. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, hey, don't forget, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be by. And, of course, Ed will be talking baseball with you. Make sure you stick around and tune in to Ed and his guests. And as always, I invite you to check out uh, my website and blog at askcoachwolf.com uh, where you can post your own comments and thoughts about the topics we cover here on the show. Uh, or you can go to, uh, if you miss my show, and you go to wfan.com, you can find the link uh, for podcasts, and you can go and find previous uh, Sports Edge shows listed there on wfan.com. Right now, we're talking about one of the most difficult jobs in sports, that of being a high school athletic director. My guest this morning is Vito Kivivalati, who is the, uh, the athletic director at Christian Brothers Academy over in Lincroft, New Jersey. And, and before we took a timeout, uh, Vito, we're talking about the, the, what you, you hire coaches. Let me ask you, how many coaches do you have on staff at CBA? Between head coaches, assistants, and even volunteers, we probably have about 
between 65 and 70, given given the year. Okay, so we're talking about a, a pretty big staff here. And, yes. you know, when you hire a coach and bring somebody in uh, to, to work, you know, with your athletes, uh, you know, you, you must sit down explain to them, as you just said, we want coaches who not just know the X's and O's of the games or know how to teach skills, but actually care about their athletes uh, because not every kid is going to be a star. A lot of kids are going to end up being cut. A lot of kids are going to end up on the bench. But to get a coach who clearly knows how to interact and communicate and gain the trust of uh, each student athlete, I mean, that's critically important. So you must have this sort of like, a, I don't know, a, a template of what you go through when you hire a coach and say, okay, congratulations, uh, you're going to be this new coach at CBA. Here's what I expect from you as a coach. That's right. We have a handbook that we hand out all of our coaches. It's, uh, we actually have a digital copy that's online that our coaches can access at any time as well, along with other files, important documents, et cetera, mm-hmm. that they can access. Uh, we have meetings constantly. We have a preseason meeting that happens in August, which, which I call coaches retreat, which we spend a few hours. I typically bring in a guest speaker, somebody else who can touch on a lot of the topics that I want to hit on. And clearly we go over a lot of the procedures and policies and any changes, et cetera. But yes, this is a constant conversation that we're having. And like I often say, we're blessed. We have coaches that really do buy into the mission. And one of the, one of the best things about being at a school like CBA Catholic institution is that that mission's already inherent in the institution. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm reinventing anything. The Lasallian pr- principles of our school or their Catholic principles really are just an extension in, in that sports arena, right? So um, what we're talking about when we talk about caring for, for each athlete and, and, uh, and really seeing the best in those athletes to try to make them better people, it's just really a part of our overall mission, our teachers and our staff. And, and so it's easy to speak to those things, and it's easy then to attract coaches who align with those values. Let me ask you now about, okay, now the kids have gone through, the top athletes have gone through high school of varsity programs, and now they have their eye on perhaps the transitioning to college and playing sports in college, either at the D1, D2, D3 level. Um, and, you know, for many parents, being very candid, that's the big payoff. Maybe my kid will get an athletic scholarship or help them get into a top – top school. But, you know, for too many moms and dads and their kids, they don't understand about that leap. Now, you've made that leap going from CBA yourself as a top baseball player and playing at a top D1 program. But, you know, the truth is, and you, I think you call this the illusion of opportunity, it's, it's, not, it's not for everybody. And a lot of kids and unfortunately parents have uh, their expectations are probably at too high a level when it comes to going on to playing in college. That's, that's exactly true. And this illusion of opportunity is really born out of a good thing, uh, which is we want our, we want our kids to dream. I, I just recently became a dad and, and, you know, actually she's going to be a year old this month. And, you know, I want, I want Olivia to dream big and to have goals. Um, and I want to make sure I'm there to support those goals. I think where we get into trouble um, and I'm not speaking as any parent expert here, but what I would, what I see is when we go beyond supporting our goals and we try to maybe create our goals for our children, 
Um, and, and worse so, we try to fulfill our goal, our children's goals for them mm-hmm. um, and almost push them on, onto our children. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we, we tend to get into some trouble. And it's out of, again, it's born out of a good thing, good motivation. We want the best for our kids. And we, we maybe sometimes fail to listen to what might actually be the best or we fail to be realistic on what is best. And, um, and so this illusion of opportunity is really simple. Over the past 20 years, with the showcase culture, which is not a bad thing. I want to be very clear that it's not all bad. The issue is, is that because there's more independent opportunities for kids with travel, sports teams, more opportunities to showcase your abilities in front of coaches, in front of college coaches, there's now this illusion that because I'm playing in all of these showcases, that colleges are looking at me. And the truth of the matter is, is that although the, the average player has risen they're better than they were 20 years ago, right? Uh, and has grown. There's more of them. There's more of those types of players than there were 20 years ago. We haven't created more Division One scholarships. No. In fact, in, in, in men's sports, <laughs> we know we've created fewer. I was going to say, there's probably so, fewer than there were 15, 20 years ago. And, and absolutely. I, I don't know if the kids understand that. I mean, the stat I give all the time and, uh, you know, that less than 4% of all high school varsity athletes who ever make a team at any level in college. But, of course, the moms and dads and kids say, well, I'm one of those 4% who will. Well, that's great, and we all have our dreams, but as you said, it's... And just because you go to a bunch of showcases doesn't necessarily mean you're going to end up playing college or be recruited. And that's... Right. That's a hard reality, uh, but... And I'd like to think that by the time you are junior in high school or senior, even though you're a really good high school ball player you might come to the reality that, you know, I'm really good, but I'm not sure I'm going to be good enough to play at a D1 program or even a D3 program. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard. And um, it's, you know, for a lot of, most kids, uh, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the reality. And what we've done is really sad. We have completely devalued being a good high school player. Yeah. And it's so sad because it used to be if you made your all-county team, that that was a huge accomplishment. Yes. That was great. Being yes. an all-county player, uh, being an all-conference player was like enough, right? It was satisfying. It was amazing to be a starter on your varsity team. And we've devalued that because now it's all about, well, if I'm not being recruited and I'm not a D1, D2, or even D3 player, um, then my, my, my sports experience was a waste. And that is so unfortunate because being a good high school player still – has so much value we just need to see it and we need to educate again and um there are opportunities for kids there's a lot of opportunities for kids to play in college there are but unfortunately we have to be we have to be real about who those opportunities are exactly for and they will not be for everybody i mean even at tba where we have really high level athletes the majority of our athletes that go on to play in college at incredible programs the majority of them don't receive a dollar in athletic scholarship money most of their grant money is coming from their grades, yeah. to be quite frank, yeah. coming from being good students. And um, a college coach loves a good student because it's going to be much easier to advocate for that student to get into the school when they're a good student. And they don't have to worry about their grades. And, and it actually being a good student is going to create more opportunities for you. So I always tell, tell parents, make sure their grades are right first because they're going to get way more academic aid than they ever will athletic aid. Vito, it is absolutely uh, unbelievably valuable advice. And I, I hope and pray that moms and dads listen to that because it's true. And, you know, Vito, I could talk to you 
for hours because you and I are on the same page when it comes to sports and sports parenting and, and high school sports and athletic directors. Uh, but I'm afraid I, I have to, to sign off. And I thank you, as always, for taking time to talk to me. Vidu Kirivellati is the athletic director at uh, Christian Brothers Academy over in, in Lincroft, New Jersey. You can find more about him at CoachVito.net. Vito, my thanks again. I'm sure we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks so much for having me on, Rick. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Let me take a quick pause. I'll be right back with more. Stay with me. Okay. I hope you had a chance to listen to uh, to Vito uh, this morning. He brings great wisdom uh, from his position as an athletic director at the Christian Brothers Academy. And uh, again, you know, he's in the middle of this and he's uh, keeping his head above water. And I think he's got a great perspective, having been a top high school and college and professional athlete himself. That's going to do it. For me, in this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks this morning to Tommy Lugauer. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.